0: Welcome to the Real Happy Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Toni Ann, the blogger and content creator at Real Happy Mom, where moms can find encouragement and practical tips for this journey called motherhood. I also have this podcast to introduce you to other moms from various walks of life. And today on episode number 39, I'm going to be talking to Amber about gentle parenting. And make sure you stick to the end because I have a special bonus for you if you are looking to put together your calm down kit. Now, if you're like, what is she talking about? Make sure you head over to realhappymom.com slash 39, and there you'll find everything that I have mentioned. Now, let's jump into this episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast, Amber, I'm excited to have you today. Thanks for having me. So Amber, I'm excited to have you because we're going to be talking a little bit about a parenting technique that I think would be helpful for a lot of moms. So before we get into that, I wanted you to just talk to us a little about you and what you do.
1: My name is Amber Oliver. I live in the state of Maryland, so I'm in the DMV area. I have two children. One is seven and I have a year old. She actually just turned a year about a couple of weeks ago and I used to work for the state um well I'll rewind I'm professionally I'm I used to be a chef but my oldest had special needs that required more of my time so I switched the food industry is like if you can't work 24 7 like you can't <laughs> you yeah. can't flourish exactly. so I was like yeah oh, I need a day job so then I switched to work for the state where I um processed grant monies for those who needed um, assistance with like the BGE services, like electric and gas and stuff like that. And when I became pregnant last year, I resigned from that position to transition to becoming a stay-at-home mom um, in my third trimester. So now I'm just home, kind of just doing the stay-at-home mom. gig and I do still bake and cook so me and my husband have a bakery that we kind of just work out of our homes and that's just kind of like my part-time job and outside of that I am a lactation consultant so I also kind of travel to local groups in the DMV area and give consults and have um, peer support based meetings and things like that.
0: So you wear a lot of hats, Amber. Yes. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. You have a very interesting take on parenting that I wanted you to share with us. And that is with gentle parenting. So I wanted you to share with us how you got to the point of implementing gentle parenting versus other parenting techniques.
1: I grew up in an authoritative um, household because I come from a military family. So, you know, my mom had very old school values when (laughs) when it came to parenting styles. While she was a great mom, there there were some things, even as a child, that we had to work through in adulthood that stemmed from, you know, just not feeling like I was always heard, you know, expressions being... you know, taking the wrong way as if I was, you know, not being compliant or respectful and things of that nature. So there were like little things that I picked up on that I was like, you know, when I become a mom, I'll do those things differently. But at the same time, I just recently transition into gentle parenting because I feel like when you're growing up even if there's things that you say oh when I grow up I'm going to change this when I Mm -hmm. when I'm older I'm going to do this differently but you know when it's when it's your like normal you kind of fight to try to unlearn the things that you you know may want to change anyway Mm -hmm. so I started out you know always you know calling my mom for advice and start giving me the authoritative you know ways to handle things and me struggling with wondering if I was doing it to my own liking and things of that nature and it wasn't until my oldest started therapy he, well he's been in therapy and since he was two because he is on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and so we started family counseling around three years old yeah and it wasn't until he got his new therapist at age five that I learned about what gentle parenting was and how it tied into like functions of behaviors and so I kind of started to unpack all of those things that I kind of feel, I sort of weirdly embraced as this is what motherhood looks like. This is how you're supposed to respond. This, like anything outside of this, you know, you're not doing it right. Those are the types of um, like thoughts I had to unlearn. And it wasn't until I used to try like the timeouts and we tried. You know, restrictions and things of that nature. And I was like, why isn't anything working? Because in my household, you know, these things work, like you got punished and you moved on because you didn't want to be punished again. And that's what kind of like the light bulb went off that, you know, every child doesn't respond to the same form of discipline, the same type of communication. So that's when I realized that so often, as parents, we have these children that we love so much, and we kind of teeter that line of forgetting they are their own human being, and that the parent-child relationship is a relationship just like you have a relationship with anybody else. You have to learn your child, and your child has to learn you. You have to like open that those lines of communication and wanting to get to know each other, and it doesn't mean that you have to be their friend, but it helps you find some type of balance so that you know your specific parenting with that child because you can have multiple children and they have different ways that you need to parent them so it was coming to that realization and you know just being stressed out because I was always having to go down to the school you know all schools are not as equipped as they say for children with special needs and just learning about advocacy and that avenue and things of that nature so that's kind of what brought me to my decision when I realized that everything that I thought was the way for me to do things was not working for my child and you know he, he also has an unspecified anxiety disorder and I also deal with anxiety so it's like we were feeding off each other's anxiety and you know him not feeling open enough to come talk to me about things because he was worried if I was going to be upset and I was just I wanted to change that dynamic so that we could kind of have a more cohesive relationship
0: gotcha so, So, I know you talked a little bit about how you got there. So, I know there's some people that are like, okay, so what is gentle parenting? So, can you kind of break it down for us and share (laughs) what it looks like in your home?
1: Gentle parenting is when you focus more on the neurological development of a child. And so, it's kind of like that few seconds pause before you kind of act, realizing that a lot of behaviors that we get frustrated about with children actually are Mm age-appropriate, and I think um, sometimes we tend to forget that because, you know, in the hustle and bustle of life, you know, we're trying to get things done, so we don't always want to have the patience to say, hey, well, maybe we should do it another way, you know, things of that nature. Gentle parenting focuses more on empathy um, with a balance of order. So yes, you know these. You you implement boundaries, and yes, you may have some disciplinary actions for behaviors that are actually you know not uncalled for. But you also focus on the root of behaviors because that kind of gives you more insight on how to correct a um, improper behavior or how to figure out um, to teach your child another way to respond and cope with um, situations that are giving them a hard time. So, in my household, with my child, we learned in his therapy session that, well, I'll start with the four functions of behavior. They are sensory, escape, attention, and emotional. So, with my child, we learned that his root of behavior were attention and escape. Um, as far as attention, you know, just with... Um, Tied into his anxiety disorder, he's a people pleaser, so it didn't matter if it was negative attention, it didn't matter if it was positive attention, if he wanted people to look at him, so it was like the exaggerated meltdowns, if the answer was no, and if he did not want to do anything, he used to elope, which means he would just dart from wherever we were, it didn't matter if it, if it was like a public place, you know, he's darted at um, an amusement park before, very scary things. Um, in, in his kindergarten class, he used to run out of the school and go into the wooded area behind the school and wait for someone to find him. So it, it got serious and mm. it, it could be stressful. You know, I shed a lot of tears at my desk when I was still working. I <laughs> forgot what was going on with my child. Yeah. So and it took a lot of conversations. Gentle parenting requires a lot of patience and a lot of repetition. You have to realize that you can't say something to a six-year-old and think they're going to get it after three or four times. No matter how how much we feel like that should happen in our brains to that child, you know, their attention span is short. They're just trying to get to the next toy that they're trying to get to. They're not always Mm -hmm. listening to you. So it takes a lot of repetition and communication and patience. And so... I started to ask um, my child, um, his name's Kaden. And I would say, well, Kaden, why are you running? Like, why do you dart off? You know, that's not safe. You know, there's other ways to handle things. And he would say, I need to do something with my feet. He'd say, mom, I get so upset that I need to do something with my feet. And so I was like, okay, so like, so what does that mean? Like, you just get upset. You just feel like you need to like let the energy out. And he, that's basically what he was trying to convey to me, that he just gets so, worked up emotionally about things that he knows that there's a need for an energetic release. And he just didn't know how to express that or do it in a safe manner. And it was tying into like math classes, which he excels in. But part of, well, one of many autistic characteristics is the potential to be a perfectionist. Which is something that he struggles with. If he doesn't think that he does it the exact certain way, then he's done it wrong, and then we have a meltdown, and we have to, you know, talk about how we all make mistakes and go down that route. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of build his confidence so he could realize that one, you know, we all make mistakes. You're a child, and so what I what I would do, like as I'm as I'm driving, if I'm going down the wrong, uh, if I take a wrong turn, or if I have to be patient in the grocery line then I would point out these things like, well, so he could see how I cope when I'm upset. So he could see, Oh, well, you know, mommy made a wrong turn. Like I'm, I could get upset because, you know, now we're running late to a doctor's appointment, but you know, no big deal. I will just have to turn around. So he could notice that, you know, things can upset us, but we don't have to let our emotions while they are valid and we can feel them to overpower our ability to think and kind of behave in a more safe and calmer manner so um that's just one of many examples and it took me kind of just saying hey so what we would do he he used to have anxiety getting off of the bus if he had a bad day at school because then his thought was mom's going to be upset like i know i shouldn't have done these things but you know with some of his diagnosis it's very impulsive so he could tell you all of the rules and in that moment he cannot that he's not even right. He's not even there to remember. You know, keep my hands and feet and body to myself. Ask for a calming technique. All that type type of stuff. So he would just impulsively act and then be extremely remorseful after the fact. And so I stopped discussing his um, day with him after school, and I would just you know have him come in, get a snack, do his sentences, and then at dinner time we made it a family discussion where we would look at his chart. Um, he has an IEP with his um, school. So they give him like um, behavior charts where we can see how he did every hour block of the day, okay. and we would just talk. We would just talk about things, and you know, if he had some incidents, well, why did you respond this way? How did that make you feel when this happened? Like asking those questions to try to pick their brains, so they can also realize and remember how they responded to things, and to instead of you know just reading what's on the paper and then just kind of like you know, fussing at them or just assuming that, you know, what had took place, even though you technically weren't there, kind of getting their side of the story. And I think sometimes we tend to forget that they do have a side of the story that can help out and with us trying to figure out how to help them solve situations and things of that nature. Um, I also learned as I began to research and study what Jones Parenting was for my own self to not do timeouts, they may work for other people. They don't work with for my child. So I had to figure out what works for him. And what works for him is him having him losing privileges for like screen time or okay. to go outside. So I was like, Okay, that's the thing. <laughs> so instead of timeouts, there are times when he's, you know, so emotional that he does need a mindful pause and then I need a mindful pause because it helps us both come back down to one. Then we're able to talk and, all right, let's fix this thing and see how we can do better for the next time. So what we do now is we have a calm down center. Um, okay. When he's upset, he's very sensory-based, so he, he fidgets a lot. And so I went and bought, like, some fidget spinners, made some sensory bottles, um, got him a coloring book. I got him a journal. And whenever he's upset, he has the ability to choose one or two objects, and he is allowed to remove himself. He usually goes to his room. And I say, hey, however you're feeling, write about it, color, you know, do your sensory um, toys. And when you're ready to come and talk to me, then let's work this thing out. So that's that's actually helped, and we're actually working on that with my year old because she is a tantrum or something I am not used to. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> or maybe you just forgot because it's been, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> been yeah. a little while. So,
1: well, you know, now he's like, oh, well, we need to get the calm down. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's something that really works for our family. And, you know, I learned in my own research, um, I read a book. Um, by Dr. McNamara called Rest, Play, Grow. So, if anyone wants to read that book, it's really great. She has a lot of um, uh, like a lot of great tools on how to implement um the gentle parenting style, and she talks about how timeouts can be um, a form of ostracization, where you kind of think that you're telling, you think that you're punishing the child for doing something, but to that child, most likely they're feeling like you're. I've done this thing wrong. I've upset my parents and my family. So now they don't want to be around me. Now they want to remove me from the family space. And so I was like, okay, well, that's a different perspective. You know, maybe we could try something else. So that's how we started to implement the Calm Down Center. And what I also like is for the program in school that he's in, because he has an IEP, he goes to a regional school for children with social and emotional needs. And they also implement Calm Down Centers in their classrooms and the okay. kids are asked they're able to go for walks which is something that he chose to do instead of elope so now he says I'm upset I need to take a walk and okay. someone will escort him and walk him up and down the hallway until he calms himself down and then he can go back in so those are just some examples of how gentle parenting works it it is a lot of extra steps it's mm-hmm. a lot of thing time consuming steps that sometimes you know when it's easier to just Close the book and say, you know what, go to your room. Blah blah blah. You find that you learn more information about your child, and your the child becomes more open to let you know how things are are going with them, struggles that they're having because they know that they can come to you, and you're not just going to kind of flip like mm-hmm. <laughs> like a light switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, my, mom's going to hear me out. You know, she may be upset, but she's going to help me become a better me in this sense of coping and how I am relating to my peers so that has drastically improved you know his anxiety with school is like diminished it's eradicated and he he's more open to you know owning up to things he's done to explaining well this is why I did this and and now the now the follow up question is so in the future how could you do this differently and he's That's starting true. to be able to connect the dots which is really helpful so now i'm not feeling like i'm so overbearing or stressing he and myself out with hoping that he has good days in school or hoping that when he's not in my care that he's not you know frustrating other people because that was also a fear of mine just as a special needs parent you know fear of relinquishing him to other people because I know how to handle him but other people may not you know other people have different styles and how they um, relate to children so these are just a few examples these are the main things that we have struggled with, um, his coping with, you know, peers, and this is perception of how things are happening around him and how he's responding. So it does take a lot of patience. And there are times where he doesn't need the break, I need the break. And I say, well, you know what, Caden, I I am a little upset. So I am going to go to my calm down center. And I that's they just know that means I need to go to my room and I need to just take a couple of minutes and just remember, okay, he is seven years old, you know, yeah. <laughs> he is doing things that typical, a typical seven-year-old will do, so yes. I need to just get my mind right and then come on back downstairs, and it also shows a good example for him to see, okay, she could have handled that another way, but she went and she used the coping strategies, and mm-hmm. now she's coming and she's ready to talk to me.
0: Nice. I like that. And it reminds me a little bit about uh, this parenting framework that I had a Lynn come and talk to me about on a previous episode. It was episode mm-hmm. 33. And she talked about how you have to stop and calm yourself down first, which yes. I think is very challenging sometimes because a lot yes. of times... We act on impulse. So I was really happy to hear that, you know, you kind of have to calm down and understand. And that's another thing that she was saying, too, is you have to connect with your child and understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. That has been a challenge for me do as well because I'm just like you know better like what are you doing? right right <laughs> like, what, what is this and so I, I think that it is a challenge to really connect but like you said you have to remember that they're only seven years old and I have a six-year-old who thinks that they're seven so I totally <laughs> get it. like you have to understand like they're not they're on a different level so I have to yeah, and I just want to
1: I do want to point out scientifically what I also learned that a child is naturally um, impulsive until about age 9.
0: Okay. And that
1: that deals with the development of their frontal lobe and so it's not even in them to think before they do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's something else to also remember, where, you know, you know when I was a child I'm probably I probably did the same thing. So while we teach them things, because that, that's something else I would say, like, you know this, like, we talk about this all the time. And he would just be looking at me with this look on his face, like, yeah. never had these conversations ever. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, you know, they literally live in the moment. And mm-hmm. when that moment's gone, they are, they are off like nothing that ever happened. And so it's frustrating mm-hmm. and it requires patience, but it really is something that is developmentally on track with their age a lot of times.
0: Now, you mentioned a little bit of some of the struggles that you have. Are there any others? Then, of course, I know the patients. Mm-hmm. You have to have an unbelievable amount of patience. Yes, yes. But is there any other struggles that you found with gentle parenting?
1: Gentle parenting, I would say communication. I, within my own self, I am non-confrontational, and I think sometimes being confrontational gets such a volatile label. Um, Confrontation can mean anything. Sometimes having hard conversations can be perceived as confrontation. So that's where my anxiety kicks in. You know, that half of that fear of, am I going to make the right parenting choice? Because me and my husband, sometimes I handle some of the things, and then I go to him, and I'm like, Like, how do you think I did? Like, you think I did that the right way? (laughs) You know, so my husband is is more calm than I am naturally. And I'm kind of like a firecracker. (laughs) So the communication for me, I used to fuss and I used to yell. And I used to feel so bad about it because I'm like, he's, you know, he's a little kid. And there has to be another way that I can express, you know, the disappointment that I may, you know, have a valid reason to have as a parent. Or showing that I'm upset without you know, shouting at him because, you know, that doesn't make them feel good. And we can discipline without kind of hurting their self-confidence or, like you know, not hurting their feelings. You know, life is rough. You know, there's going to be times out there where they're going to have to, you know, be in the real world and deal with that type of stuff. Yeah, But, you know, we don't want to teeter that line where, you know, we're preparing them for like excessive harshness. They, sh- they can also learn that there's, there's other ways to communicate. You know those uncomfy or perceived negative emotions and feelings. So that has been my struggle, just not jumping the gun and you know just kind of jumping off the ledge and blah 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 blah. Okay. So that's where my mindful pauses come in the most. And there have been times where I've had to apologize to him. That's another struggle I used to have because in my upbringing, parents didn't apologize to kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if I made a mistake, I kind of just moved on and. Hope you forgot about it too. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you know, so I've learned that you know this is a This is my child. I carry him, but I am here to guide him to point A, and that is the age of eighteen. And at that time, he has to find his way and navigate to point Z on his own.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot
1: of parents think that they're supposed to walk side by side until their kid gets to point Z. And that's where a lot of the frustrations come in because their their kid is wavering and they're weaving in between all the alphabet letters and you mm-hmm. want them to walk that straight line. And then there's that power struggle of, I want you to do this. I want you to be this, but your kid's like, no, that's not who I want to be. You know, mm-hmm. I want to come over here and, and dabble in the left side for a little bit and then maybe I'll graze on back. <laughs> so yeah. those things, you know, really, understanding uh, my child and realizing there may be just some personality traits about him. I may not like, but I cannot suppress that in him. That is not, I don't have a right to do that. Mm -hmm. I can teach him how to safely, you know, carry out certain behaviors and coping mechanisms when he's upset. I can teach him better ways to function in social situations, but there are just going to be some personality traits and we all have them there. I'm sure there's something all of us have that, others around us while they love us they may not agree with every little thing that we do and it's just that acceptance of accepting them fully as a child and as a person and then the communication along with the patient sometimes that those are the struggles because you know in society parenting is like the parent is up here and the child is down here and if you balance that in any way then you know you're trying to be besties and you let your kid run over top of you that has been said to me like you know you're trying to be your kid's friend. And I'm like, no, I'm not being their friend. I want them to know that they are their own person and that I hear them and that there are no other ways to come to the table and figure out how to change things without it leading to a more aggressive approach. And while there there are some great um, aspects of authoritative parenting, I don't want anyone to think that there aren't. I just know that there are different styles out there and it doesn't Hurt that you know sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes you might think you, you may have to parent one way, and then you have a child that shows you, you know, hey, I need this other type of love and understanding. And it's not like I said earlier, it may not always be the same way with every child. You know, my daughter, she's fairly young, so I will have to go through this path again with her, depending on her personality and how you know she responds and reacts to things. So those are the biggest things, just reminding myself that, yes, he's my child, but he's also his own person, you know, the patience, like we've already talked about, and then just the communication. How can I say this in a more respectful way? And I know that probably sounds erroneous to some parents, like respectful, like they're a child. But, you know, children do, you know, deserve respect because that's how they learn to respect other people, you know? So even how we problem solve with them teaches them even indirectly how to problem solve in other social situations. So just trying to remember those things. And do I always remember them? No, I don't. Like I said, I've also had to learn how to apologize to my child. But just trying to have that conscious, consistent effort to remind myself of these things so that I, we can, you know, get better as he grows and ha- as I grow as a parent.
0: That is really good. And it's funny you brought up the respect thing because that was one thing that I remember Lynn <laughs> I brought up too. And she was just saying it's it's basically in essence that we're respecting their thoughts and feelings and emotions that they're even mm-hmm. as important yes. as ours too. And and that is a hard thing for a lot of people to grasp. So yes. I totally understand <laughs> what, you're going, what you're talking about there. You share with us a lot of really good things about gentle parenting. And also share with us some of the struggles too. But what is one tip we could implement today to be better parents? I
1: would say the best thing to implement today that would not take as much long-term effort is just the communication aspect. And I'll couple that with like a two-for-one. The communication aspect and realizing that breaks help Things become more smooth when it's time to problem solve. Mm-hmm. So if you're upset or if your child's upset, and that instant, see, sometimes we miss that second where we need to where we where we can say, "Hey, we need to take a break before we deal with this." So already ready for war that we just go onto the battlefield and knowing that I'm up here, the child's up here, it's not going to be cohesive. But you know, this is how I'm feeling right now. We're going to handle it. So just realizing that. When you realize that you, if you feel like you may mishandle something, if you feel like you're extremely upset, that may not be the time to kind of handle whatever's going on with your child. Take a break. Take five minutes. Hey, you know what? Why don't you just go read a book or something? You know, maybe just go occupy your mind for a couple of minutes and then we can come back to the table and talk about this. It takes a conscious effort. But what I've noticed for me, you also have to know your own body. I have very um, erratic breathing when I'm upset. And so that's my indicator to me. Okay, you are not even breathing calmly. So you should not be handling this right now. And that's when I kind of say, okay, I'm just going to take five minutes and let me come on back. And also knowing your child to know when they're they're upset. Because if a child's upset, they're not even, I mean, their attention span in general is short. So it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's extremely short when they're upset because... That's where the anxiety is kicking in of like, what is mom and dad going to do? You know, how are they going to respond? What type of trouble am I going to get in now? And so half the time you're reprimanding them and they're not even paying attention. They're just trying to get done with the whole ordeal. So I've noticed that, you know, the attention span is a little bit better if they know that you're calm, if they're calm, they're able to listen. And now I do, you know, repeat back to me what we just talked about. That lets me know that you've heard what I said. And moving forward, remember, you, you told me that you heard what I said now. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> you know, th- those types of things. And so it's really critical. Like with Caden, when he's upset, his eyebrows go up. I tell everyone that he's about to go off the deep end if his eyebrows go up. <laughs> so that <laughs> okay. is that is the indicator. So for them, everyone that knows Caden, they say, okay, Caden, it looks like you're upset right now. Let's go on and take a break. And there's some times when his little eyebrows go up and he will swear that he is not upset. I understand, okay. sir, but we're still going to go take this break because okay. I know you a little better than you think. <laughs> so kind of like paying attention to those little quirks, those little like um, intricate characteristics about your child, like the triggers that let you know, okay, this, we're going into the red zone, even about yourself. And that's the time where you need to step back and take a break because I'm almost 100% sure the interaction and the problem solving will go much more smooth. If you just take that like five to 10 minute mindful pause.
0: Yeah, yeah. that is a really, really good one because you said a couple of things. One, I remember you brought up a day when I came home and I was so happy to come home and see my kids. (laughs) I walked in the door and my son was crying and I'm like, okay, what's going on? He's like, Mm -hmm. mommy, I'm in trouble. And I was like, what did you do? And I turned it oh, at the wall and I kid you not, he has um one of those Spider-Man, like the silly string. Oh yeah. He sprayed it all over the wall and it oh. would not come off. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm about to pop off. So yes. I turned around and walked right back to <laughs> the door. Yes. <laughs> I knew whatever I did or said was going to be wrong. So I was mm-hmm. like, I will come back in about five minutes when I got Yes, it. So that was a really good one. And then the, the other thing was um, knowing your child. And this was something that I had to remind myself because I was talking to another one of the ladies. I was talking to Katie. I remember she was just saying how a lot of times you know, you know, you're a baby when you have like an infant, yeah. you know, when they're hungry, you know, their cues, like, okay, mm-hmm. like they're getting cranky, those kind of things. And I feel like as the kids get older, we kind of lose track of those little cues and things so just taking the time to really learn your child and know what those little cues are because when they're babies i feel like we're so good at it as moms like we know at five o'clock we better not be at our friend's house like having a good Mm -hmm. time because babies been the clown so (laughs) Knowing these things about our kids, especially when they're at that age that you're talking about where they don't make the best decisions because they are on impulse. I think that's super critical. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, I have one other question, but before I ask you that one, I I wanted to kind of go a little off script here because you share a lot of really beautiful yoga poses on your Instagram, (laughs) and I just (laughs) wanted to tell you that I love love, love seeing you do that. So I just wanted to know if this has been helpful, because I see you do stuff with your son too, if you found that Mm yoga has been helpful for your son as well.
1: Yes, I actually introduced that to him about... Two and a half years ago because I wanted him yoga helps me with my own anxiety. Okay. Um, like my breathing is my main issue. I will I either have erratic breathing or I hold my breath to the point where I get lightheaded. And I had to realize to breathe slowly and fully, that's how you calm down. That's how you make less erratic decisions and things of that nature. Like, even your breath affects your critical thinking. So I got into that and also gave me something to do, like, on the physical aspect as a benefit. And So I said, well, maybe this can help Kaden with his anxiety and, you know, this can be a coping mechanism for him. We start yoga every morning and we come up with an affirmation for the day. and We speak the affirmation, and then we do our little 10-minute session. It also gives him alone time with me since he is still adjusting to being an older sibling. He's a great big brother, but I know that sometimes he feels like his time is, you know, cut severely in half. (laughs) So (laughs) it gives us that alone time in the morning. I start my day off really great. He starts his day off really great. And he started to implement the breathing in school where he would ask to take Three deep full breaths. And so they'll allow, allow him to do that. And then he has space to go and meditate in the back. Um, I really like how his school caters to the coping, the unique coping needs for each child in the class. So his thing is I need to take three breaths. I need to meditate for a couple of minutes. And if he's extremely upset, then he'll go for a walk. So yoga has definitely helped. I have taken him to adult classes sometimes just with the heads up, hey, you know, I have a young child who would like to participate and we just kind of hang in the back. So he, you know, he's not in the way of other participants, but it's really helped. It helps him focus on the breathing. And there's this quote that, you know, yoga teaches you um, ways of living on and off of the mat. So it's not just about, you know, the flexible poses. It also teaches you, you know, how to be one with yourself and how to have that um, element of introspection and, you know, just reviewing how you respond to things, how do you respond to people, how do you respond to yourself, how do you feel about yourself? You know, you don't really think about that when you think about yoga, but you find that you connecting those dots as you go on about your day and you're interacting with other people. So he really loves it. And... I'm hoping that he keeps up with it. It's a calming mechanism for him. And I really like that he took it upon himself to implement it. Um, That was like a big milestone for us when he was four, when he came up with his own coping mechanism. It's kind of like we were throwing all these possibilities to him. And he's like, nope, nope, (laughs) nope, nope. So he found what worked for him and we kind of just took it and ran with it. So,
0: yeah. Nice. I like that. I've, I've tried to do this with my son because he he's the type of kid where he can literally like throw a tantrum from like two hours no joke he will uh, cry yeah. straight like two mm-hmm. hours <laughs> and it literally can make you go crazy like mm-hmm. you're just like i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i remember one time he got really upset and i was doing yoga i don't know what he did but yeah I was like, okay, come do some poses with mommy. And so my favorite pose is child pose. So I was like, let's yeah. start there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, do this one, do this one. And then like five minutes later, he stopped crying. And my husband was like, what are you doing with my son? <laughs> I was like, calm down. Let's just try this. But it really does help because I think yeah. a lot of times, even as adults, we forget about our breathing and how important it is. So I love the fact that it really makes you just pay attention to your breasts and you yeah. to calm down. So I love that. Now, Amber, there's one question that I ask all of my guests, and that is: If you could have any superpower, what would it be? My superpower
1: would be the ability to sleep as long as I want and still so <laughs> okay. get things done. get <laughs> <my> Okay. <laughs> like if I could just sleep for however many hours I want in the day and still check everything off my to-do list, I would feel great. I feel like I'm always running on minimal sleep, and I'm always shuffling to get like eight things done at the same time and so like if I could be like the super bionic sleeping productive mom that would be great (laughs) if I could sleep into like 12 noon and still get everything
0: done (laughs) (laughs) nice nice now Amber where can we find you if we want to learn more about you online
1: I am mainly on Instagram look what love made under my blog name and I also have a Facebook page. I actually, one of my um, self-care methods was for me to take a break from Facebook. Okay. So I'm on there, but I'm not on there. I'm just on gotcha. there just to um, kind of be behind the scenes for Look What Love Made's Facebook page. So you can shoot me a message there. Um, you know, look through the things I'm posting. I'm mainly on Instagram though for right now. And, you know, as I feel more comfortable, I may come back to Facebook. You know, sometimes... Mm-hmm being on multiple social media platforms can be a little draining. So yes. I'm learning to pace myself. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now you said you have your blog too as well. Yes. Gotcha. And that is the same as your Instagram.
1: Yes. Look what love made that blog.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Well, Amber, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us about gentle parenting, giving us some of these helpful tips. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> Now that does it for this episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. To find the links in the show notes, make sure you head over to realhappymom.com slash 39. There you'll find everything that was mentioned in this episode, as well as a way to download your Calm Down Center Kit checklist. So you don't want to miss out on this. So head over to realhappymom.com slash 39. Now that does it for this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.